Have you seen the 2021 My OT Journey Planner? This is Dr. Robin Axelrod. This planner is a must for OT students and practitioners. Check it out at myotjourney.com. Welcome to Students in Charge. The students of Corbin Health and Rehab Group, or Charge Therapy, are here to bring you the latest research in the field of occupational therapy. Combining evidence-based practice with a fresh student perspective, they aim to promote best practice and competency within the field. Hope you're fully charged, because it's time for the students in charge. Welcome back to Students in Charge. As you may know, Charge Therapy is a telehealth occupational therapy company that specializes in hand, upper extremity, ergonomics, and home modifications. In this podcast, we aim to bring you insight into the field of occupational therapy. My name is Megan, and I am here with my Charge partners, Casey, Rachel, and Haviva. Today, we are going to be talking about the role of occupational therapy with a special focus on Erlen syndrome and the Erlen method. We, just like you, our listeners, are looking forward to learning more about this topic and area of practice. Thanks, Megan. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Today, we have a guest speaker, Shoshana Schamberg, who is an occupational therapist who is also an Erlen diagnostician. She graciously volunteered her time with us today to share her experiences and the value of occupational therapy within her field. Hi, Shoshana. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks for inviting me. I'm very honored and happy to share about Erlen syndrome, one of the modalities that, one of the many modalities that I've used that is very fascinating. I'm hoping you get excited after this and after this learning experience. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I've been an occupational therapist since 1990. Um, I went to Quinnipiac College as well as Colorado State University and wound up doing my student internships in Baltimore where I moved with my family. I was a non-traditional student. I had six children while I was in the program and started out with one. And so I had five children while I was uh, a non-traditional student in two different programs in diff different parts of the country, which was a first for both of those universities. And um, it was a struggle being a student mother, but I think I brought a lot of um, great experiences, especially because I did eventually go into pediatrics um, and school-based developmental therapy. So um, that was one of my specialties. I think that um, having children also gave me a lot of experience to learn about developmental approaches, sensory issues. I had kids with special needs of my own. And, um, and I also worked with occupational therapists as a parent. So I got to see the other side, not just as the professional, but as the consumer. Thank you. And what area did you first specialize in? Um, I started out. Um, I started out as a teacher, so I, I was a teacher before OT. I was also a potter, you know, ceram did ceramics, 
and taught ceramics. And the way that I got into OT was through working with geriatric populations and teaching them pottery. And I realized that I didn't really like making my own pottery so much. I really loved teaching and helping people with special needs to use pottery as a therapeutic modality. And then was introduced to the field of occupational therapy. Back then we were allowed to use a lot of crafts. I don't know if you're still doing that in your program, but for a while OT programs actually said that it wasn't professional enough for us to do weaving and, and uh, you know, pottery and different types of crafts. So we were using more uh, modalities than crafts. And I, and I was very upset over that because as a craftsperson. Um, so I wound up bringing a lot of those back into my practice when I started becoming a professional. And, um, and, then, um, and then I got very interested in how the environment impacted people's ability to function. So I, um, there was no home modifications specialty area. So I, my husband is a landscape architect and designer and we actually worked on projects together, creating a sensory garden for an Alzheimer's unit. And he didn't even know what Alzheimer's was when he was given that job. And I was like, I can't believe that they would give you a job of creating a sensory environment for an Alzheimer's unit and you have no idea what Alzheimer's is. So you definitely need me. So we collaborated and found out that it was really kind of fun. I learned about design. I learned about instruction. Um, He learned about medical issues and progressive illness. And then we had a friend who was a contractor. So we all went into business together and started doing construction of environments for seniors first. And then it wound up to be much more involved with uh, parents with kids with autism and um, traumatic brain injury and dementia, dementia. So we were focusing on the home. And then I also took special training in ADA compliance. So we started doing um, office ergonomics and um, major additions and working as, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of expert witness. So that's when you have a litigation case, you have a, like a medical malpractice or workman's compensation case, and you have to determine what the person needs within a cost benefit. Um, and um, I guess you would say, uh, you know, reasonable, uh, reasonable recommendations because everybody wants everything, but is, are they reasonable? Is it, is it affordable? Is it, is, you know, is there a budget for certain things? So we specialized in um, working with uh, lawyers and, um, and insurance companies. That is so interesting. I am so glad we got to learn that about you. So we're really interested in hearing more about the Erlen syndrome and the Erlen method. Before we jump into things, though, as a team, we did some research on the Erlen method that we will share with you and our listeners, and then go from there. So in our research, we found Erlen syndrome is a perceptual processing disorder, not an optical problem. It is a problem with the brain's ability to process visual information, and this tends to run in families. We also found that the Erlen method is non-invasive technology that uses colored overlays and filters to improve the brain's ability to process visual information, and that this method addresses sensory problems related to light sensitivity, sensory overload, difficulties in the areas of sensory integration and depth perception, and symptoms of physical discomfort in addition to reading problems. Do you agree with these findings, or is there anything else you would like to add? There is a a high correlation of hereditary issues 
but you can acquire it through uh, brain damage. Thank you for sharing that with us. I know that we and our listeners appreciate your knowledge. When did you begin to have interest in studying Erlen syndrome and the Erlen method? So Erlen came much later when I became disabled. I, I year, years later, I worked part-time for the school system in Baltimore City, inner city, um, with severely disabled as well as um, uh, learning disabled children. I was all over the city in many different schools. That was part-time. And then I had my private practice, which was the home modifications area. Um, I did a lot of seminars. I taught all, all over internationally. Um, and, and home modifications became a specialty area through a lot, quite a few, there was a handful of us bringing it into occupational therapy from the building industry. And um, so I, I was having a wonderful career, six kids, great job, loved all my work. And then all of a sudden became disabled with Lyme disease in the year, probably around 2006, 2005. And, um, and I barely could walk. Um, my eyesight was going, um, I was exhausted all the time and I was given no accommodations. I had re requested ADA accommodations. I'm very good at creating plans for ADA um, since I do that professionally, but I did it for myself and got nowhere. So I had to go on disability retirement from a part, that part-time job. And um, luckily I had my private practice. So I basically shifted very, you know, one day I'm part-time working for Baltimore city, receiving benefits and, you know, a nice paycheck and doing my private practice to being full-time private practice. So, but I couldn't move. I couldn't get on the floor anymore. I couldn't go up and down stairs easily. Um, I, my balance and coordination was affected as well as my vision. So um, I started looking for things that would be, you know, where I would, I didn't even know what kind of condition I'd be from day to day. Because sometimes I would have a flare up and then I couldn't do anything. I just, you know, laid in bed. So, um, so I, I just started just exploring other options. And um, I had had a friend who had a son with migraines and he, um, she had a friend who was an Erlen screener. And I got stuck in a snowstorm in Chicago um, at a wedding. And this woman who was a neuropsychologist and an Erlen screener was gonna to come to their house and screen their son for migraines. And um, I said, oh, that's interesting. And she said, yeah, he's really anxious and um, he can't, he doesn't wanna to go to school anymore and he's really smart. So, and, he, and he's having a hard time reading. And this is kind of before kids were using computers, but I'm sure it was even worse once he used, started using technology, would have, used, would have been worse. And um, she said, my friend is coming over in the snowstorm to test him, would you like to watch? And I'm like, something called Erlen syndrome. And I'm like, I don't know anything about Erlen syndrome. And he, this is the population. I work with kids with sensory issues and adults with sensory issues. So I guess it would be interesting to see if she has anything to offer me. I probably know everything already. So I thought, and, um, so the woman came over in the snowstorm and she's doing this perceptual testing that looked very OT-ish, but it wasn't OT. 
and and I'd never seen the use of these colored plastic sheets. I'd heard about it and I knew OTs who knew something about it, but they didn't use anything called Erlen. And a lot of them used things like they would go to Staples and get clear plastic folders and put it over and it would reduce the glare on the, on the reading material. Um, so anyway, so this woman showed me, you know, I watched her for an hour and a half and I said, I'm really fascinated by what you're doing. And, but I don't really know if it's true, if it's good. So I'm gonna call my friend when I get home in about two weeks. And I wanna see if this boy, if he's doing any better with this colored sheet you gave him. And why did you give him that colored sheet when you could go to Staples and just get colored folders? She goes, no, 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 no. These are special colors. They're um, made with a different kind of quality. They have a shiny side and a dull side. And the colors are calibrated to be consistent and also they're unusual colors. And I said, well, I don't know, they don't look any different to me than what you can buy in Staples. So she said, well, why don't you, I'll send you a set of overlays and I'll send you a book about Erlen Method and articles. And why don't you um, look into it? I'll even send you some videos. Um, so give me your address. And I'm happy to share this because my son has this syndrome and he was three grades below his grade level in reading and he has a very high IQ and they wanted to put him in special ed and I found out about it. And within three weeks, he was above grade level in reading using these technologies. He actually got the glasses. So I don't know if you've seen on my website, people with colored lenses. So that's the next step. So the screening is the first step and that anybody with a bachelor's degree or higher can be trained. It's a 15 hour training. I, I now do it online. And, um, you know, I used to do it on site all over the country. Um, I'm not really doing that, but there's many, many people who teach uh, all over the country, the screener training. Um, so that would be the first level. And then the next level is the diagnostic training, which is what I am at, at this point, but that takes much more extensive training and uh, a lot more experience and you have to have a higher level of education. And, and there's also a limit on how many people they'll accept in that training at the Erlen International site. So um, anyway, I, I, did, I got home. I did get a box with all these things that this lady told me she was sending me. Um, she didn't charge me for anything. She just said, here, if you're willing to educate yourself and share this with other people, it'll be my pleasure to give this to you as a gift. So I put on the first, back then, there, I don't know if you've ever seen VHSs instead of DVDs, you know, those big plastic things. So she sent me like 10 of them. So it was a big box. And I started putting them in my VHS player. And I was like, oh my God, these are the kids I'm seeing. And this is, sounds so much like the kids who I have a hard time reaching. And maybe this is the missing link. Maybe this is something that I'm not addressing, this, this visual sensory processing issue um, and light that I never thought of. I never thought of testing a kid in a room without fluorescent lighting or bright light or seeing if a child can read better in the dark than they can in bright light or changing the color of a background 
like photocopying written material onto colored paper, which is really simple. It doesn't even cost anything to, to try that, to decrease the glare of the white background. Um, so I just started testing it out at school. I didn't tell anybody anything about Erlen. You know, I just said, this is a sensory processing disorder intervention. And everybody was like, oh yeah, great. You know, if I would have said Erlen, they would have like, what, Erlen? We don't do that here. So I didn't mention any capital letters. I just said, you know, we're using colored paper and colored overlays and we're changing the lighting. And I might see the kid in the corner of the room instead of directly over the fluorescent lighting or maybe even turn off part of the fluorescent lighting if they, were, they had zoned lights, you know, where you could turn off one switch and keep the other switches on. So I would put some of these kids in the darker area of the room. And the teachers were like saying to me, well, wow, these kids are focusing better. And this kid was so unfocused. And this kid is understanding what he's reading better. And she's, you know, not fidgeting as much. And her ADD isn't, you know, totally off the wall. And, and I, can, can, I can redirect, re redirect her. Great. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm going to ask you another question. Um, I know we mentioned and you had mentioned that um, you work with those impacted by sensory differences. Um, is this your target population or targeted client group that you work with, or do you work with other target populations? Well, I've been doing it a long time. So uh, I've, I've shifted um, in different ways. So when I started out, and I was just a screener for many years. Um, I just worked with kids with reading issues or math issues or handwriting. So dysgraphia, dyscalculia, um, and dyslexia. Okay. Um, I wasn't really dealing with so much headaches and migraines and anxiety issues and depression um, and also motor coordination issues. Is that with the glasses, you can deal with all those three-dimensional issues. And um, with, with the, as a screener, you're really only dealing with, with a two-dimensional space. So anything that's on you know, a white background with black letters and, um, and also patterns, in the, you know, patterns, because you can get high contrast patterns that can make people nauseous and really distract them from uh, you know, keeping focus. Great. Um, so we've already kind of discussed some things about the screeners, um, but how easily is Erlen syndrome diagnosed? Uh, and, you know, do you say it's often commonly misdiagnosed? Often commonly misdiagnosed. Okay. And that, and that's the tragedy. And, and you get, a, I get a lot of parents really upset with OTs, speech therapists, vision therapists and eye doctors and developmental optometrists, pediatricians and, and teachers. Okay, psychologists, teachers, because many of them have gone through years of paying fortunes in tutoring, vision therapy, OT, sometimes all of this out of pocket. So some people come in sometimes having spent 15 to $20,000 over, you know, let's say second grade through you know, sixth grade, and then someone tells them and tests their kid and they say, wait, these issues could have been found out in first grade or second grade if there were people trained in the schools or in the clinics 
to know how to find this. And it's true. Okay. So um, most of my referrals are kids and half my, half my referrals are adults. And many of those adults have these issues all along. I get a lot of tears in my office, a lot of people crying out of sadness that they had to go through such torturous childhoods or adult, you know, populations with traumatic brain injury who people misdiagnosed them. Neurologists didn't know about it. Um, or they basically were kids who went through, you know, a lot of shame, um, disability. Some kids were kept back in school and they were put in special ed and they didn't really even need it. And I mean, it's phenomenal when you, if you look at the video on my website, there's an African-American girl who's basically struggling with her reading. And then she puts her lenses on and she's, you know, like beautiful reading. And the mother describes the issue. It's a very short video, but the mother starts crying a little bit. I don't know if you looked at that video, but it's a good one to look at. I see that all the time. And the parents just start crying and the kids will say, mom, why are you crying? Dad, why are you crying? And they're like, these are, these are tears of joy because we knew you were smarter than how you were performing or we knew you were working so hard and the results were so little. And now we have a chance. So, so that's the beauty. And that's why it only takes one or two sessions. It's not a big deal. You know, it takes a 15 hour training to become a screener and then experience, you know, cause the more you test people, the deeper levels of awareness you have as a practitioner of what's going on. So interesting. So interesting. Thank you for sharing more about Erlen syndrome and the challenges that go along with the diagnosis. I think that there's something to be said about all of that. And it gives a good foundation of understanding then further how the Erlen method is implemented by the screeners and the diagnosticians. Um, transitioning into another component of you know, your journey as an OT, um, can you share with us what motivated you to open up your own company? And then what methods you found successful when you were marketing your company? So I, I started right from the beginning. So I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur from way before I was an OT. And I didn't get my OT degree until I was 36. So with six kids. So, um, so I had other professions where I had to do marketing and I had to do, uh, and I'm a very independent person. I really don't like, I didn't like having to totally be dependent on a system outside of my control. And that included overloaded caseloads by companies that didn't really care. They were more interested in making money than in the clients. So you're, you know, you're going to be faced with moral dilemmas that, you know, and I hear it all the time. So I don't know if you've already had to face that, but it's not uncommon to go into a job and then all of a sudden you've got twice the caseload that you can handle and you have no ability, you know, because you're scared of losing this job. What if I quit and then I'm going to be called a quitter and nobody's going to want to hire me, you know, or, um, you know, I should be able to handle it if all these other OTs are handling it. So, um, you know, without mentorship, you know, I think all companies should be required to have mentors who are more experienced than the new grads that are coming in. Um, I didn't have that. I got thrown into inner city public school, you know, rehab, geriatric rehab, you know, no mentors. So, um, and, and I was responsible for creating a mentorship program in many of the jobs that I've had. 
So having finding a mentor, even if it's not someone in your system who has experience, who can help you and guide you and give you, you know, intelligent and wise direction, because some of the things I did marketing wise were a waste of money and time, and I had nobody to go to. Now you have a lot more OTs who are in private practice who you can go to and find. And even if you have to pay for them, you know, pay, pay a mentor to like give you super, you know, your own personal supervision a couple hours a month, you know, and play ideas off of them. Um, I have a mentoring program online. So I have people who pay me a very minimal amount. I don't charge very much, but they pay for that experience. Um, marketing wise, I would say, um, you know, look at your market, look at what, what's happening around you. Don't just get so idealistic that you're like, oh, I'm going to do this and then just jump into it and like start. I, that's what I did. I jumped in, oh, I'm going to make booklets for, uh, to educate people and I'm going to spend $3,000 printing them and I'm going to spend, you know, six months creating the best booklet that, you know, that's going to look great. Now, one of those booklets that I spent a lot of money on, I didn't create it. It's on my website. You're welcome to download it for free. I went, I wound up giving out a lot of stuff for free because it really wasn't worth, I thought I was going to be able to sell it and market myself through the sale of these publications. And, you know, it was a lot more work than I thought trying to market a publication. So I kind of wasted a lot of money printing, but then they became my marketing tool and I gave them away and it was a great marketing tool. So Okay, in the end, it worked out, but it wasn't what I thought I was going to be doing. Um, and also having products, like I was selling products for a while with my architectural, you know, like uh, with the home modifications, you know, I would sell the grab bars. I would sell the, the uh, ramp, portable ramps. I would sell the, and then I realized, you know, I'm sitting here selling products and an adaptive equipment more than I'm doing the OT now, you know, that's not what I want to be doing. So, you know, really try to figure out really where, who you are. Thank you so much for sharing all this with us. One last question we have for you is, do you have any tips or pieces of advice for any occupational therapy students who may be listening? I've been an OT for decades and decades. I've been a, I'm semi-retired now. And I still like, feel like there's always something to learn and grow in this profession. It's really, when somebody tells me they're bored with OT, I was like, it's not something wrong with OT. It's something wrong with you. Because <laughs> you can work with so many different populations, so many different modalities, so many different areas. You can be independent of a system by having a private practice. But I wouldn't just go full force into private practice. I would do what I did, I think was very smart in terms of having options. And the school system was nice because in the summer, I didn't have to work in the schools if I didn't want to. In my, my school system, some school systems are 12 month jobs. I had a 10 month. And so in the summer, I made a lot of money to make up for maybe a lower pay scale in the school system. But I had a lot of benefits from the school system. So it's also looking at your benefits versus your salary. You know, what's, what's gonna be worth it for you? You answered all of our questions so beautifully. Thank you so much for your time and insight in this emerging practice area. We have learned so much and we know our listeners did too. 
For more information about Shoshana and Erlen syndrome, check out her website. It's www.aotss.com. In closing, thank you so much, Shoshana, for joining us for our podcast today. We hope our listeners appreciated learning about our OT story and learning more about the Erlen syndrome, Erlen method, and the role of occupational therapists in this practice area. If you want to learn more about charge therapy, we can be found at our website, chargetherapy.com. Charge is spelled C-H-R-G, the word therapy.com. Or you can find us on our social media at Charge Therapy and Students in Charge for more tips and tricks. Charge Therapy provides ergonomic adjustments and home modifications through both telehealth and in-person. Check us out and contact us if you would like to learn more. Thank you for listening and have a great day.